Okay, welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study. Tonight, Book of Daniel, Part 6. We'll be in Daniel, Chapter 6. Let's begin in prayer. Lord, we again give you thanks for bringing us together, Lord. We thank you that uh, you show us what it is that we need to see and understand in Daniel, Lord. Not only just Daniel 6, but Daniel as a whole and what it means... uh, to the Old Testament, what it, what it means to the Bible as a whole, how it speaks to the church today, how it speaks to us today. So, Father, we know that your word is true, that it's active, it's alive, and we thank you for that. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you direct our discussion tonight, our study tonight, and uh, where we need to go for what understanding and clarity that we need. And so, Lord, I thank you for those that are here, those that are on their way, those that couldn't make it. We're listening via podcast, Lord, traveling around, arresting, recuperating. We just thank you, Lord, that you're with us no matter where we're at. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, tonight we're going to be halfway through Daniel. Uh, it's still narrative. Uh, next week it's going to change a little bit, but it's still kind of a narrative. It's a story of what Daniel is facing and Daniel is dealing with. So pick up where we left off last week, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. It says, it seems good to Darius. Now remember, Darius is the new um, king in the area. It says, it seems good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they should be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners of whom Daniel was one that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit, and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. So Daniel's on the move. Daniel has favor. It says here he has an extraordinary spirit. What does that mean? Huh? Not ordinary. Not ordinary? <laughs> Very good. And, and so if it's not ordinary, where is it from? God. So it's, it's like, you know, sometimes people say there's something about you or the person has a particular spirit or, or whatever it is. You know, when it pertains to God, we know that that is the Holy Spirit. God is, is working through him. So this this becomes evident in who he is. And this is how... He's being promoted. And what's happening here is Darius has come in, because remember now the the Babylonian kingdom has been conquered. Nebuchadnezzar is no longer around. His kingdom is gone. Uh, His sons couldn't hold it together, and they got conquered. And now Darius is the king over that particular region. So he's basically reorganizing. And satraps are... They're kind of like governors. They're more like uh, maybe mayors over over the area. So he's setting up, you know, kind of a government there. And Daniel's one of them. He's distinguishing himself. He's one of the top three commissioners, and he's getting ready to be promoted over the whole whole kingdom. Okay? So it's all good, right? Yeah. So like Joseph, you know, when it's good, get ready for the next chapter. <laughs> so verse 4. Then the commissioners and satraps begin trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they couldn't 
not find, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Why would they do this? Jealousy. Professional jealousy. Professional jealousy, yeah, jealous. Why did uh, Darius hire somebody from the outside? Yeah, he is an outsider. <laughs> he is, he's, an out, he's an outsider. And so, uh, is this any different than office politics? Governmental politics? Uh, we have this everywhere, right? And so you now you have people, you know, wanting, wanting, being jealous. And the problem with jealousy is it drives you to do things, you know, if you're trying to get rid of somebody. And so these people are obviously jealous. But what does it add to our package and our understanding of Daniel? He's being faithful to God. Yeah, he's faithful. He's a good guy. He's not conniving. He's not whatever. He's he's. You know, again, you know, he was taken in captivity and brought over there. And so, you know, he's, he's in a sense almost a fish out of water. But God is promoting him where he's at for whatever reason God has. And, and uh, he's extinguishing, he, he's not extinguishing himself, but he's, he's making distinction of who he is. And, and he's being promoted. Everybody's seeing him who he is and he's being promoted. So... Even when you're not in the position that you think you should be in, doesn't mean God cannot promote you. Or, God will put you in a situation to bring you through something for something that he wants done. Right? In the case of Daniel, this is obviously it, because you think, okay, well, why wouldn't Daniel just go back to Israel and at some point be a good guy over there? Well, God's doing something over in Babylon, and, and he's using this, and we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks uh, why, and the visions that come out, and the things, and the end-time events and stuff that are, are being uh, spoken of. One of the things to remember in Daniel, Babylonian Empire, one world government was the idea, and now you have the, the, the Medo-Persian Empire has come in. The idea is one world government. So kind of keep that in the back of your mind the next few weeks because we're going to be talking about that because Daniel in his revelations and visions and things he has is going to be talking about future tense about one world government. And that's why I said last week maybe we might have to go into the book of Revelation when we're done here just to bring things together because it, it, it will show... Uh, the idea of one world government and what, what, uh, how Satan uses that, you know, to to dominate, and so, but that that's a future, future discussion. So verse five. It says these men said, "We shall not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God." So they're trying to find something on Daniel. You know, the law of his God. Uh, does this remind you of anything? Because they're, they're basically what they're saying. We can't find anything civil government to get him on, anything of our laws. So we're going to go on his laws, his God's laws. In other words, what the Bible has spoken 
Does that sound like anything? Sure. We find no fault in him. We find Jesus. no fault in him, Jesus. Yes, and and uh, uh, because that's exactly what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees tried to find something according to the law that they could bring charges on against Jesus. The same thing. Yeah, they, they try to try to trump up charges mm-hmm. on them uh, um, because again, this jealousy and trying to get somebody out of out of the way, and so trying to use. You know, it's it's kind of funny. God has ordained this. God has set this up. And now they think they're going to trip up God by using what God has put in place. So that's why when it says no weapon formed against you will prosper. Because if you're in the place God wants you to be, they're going to be going against what God has already set up. So somebody have a hand in the question? No, okay. Just shifting. Okay. Um, so, one of the things here, and I, and I ask that question, does it sound like something else? Because you can find Christ in the Old Testament. And this is how you find Christ in the Old Testament. You find types and shadows of, of that. Or you see uh, uh, definite prophecies or things. But you see a pattern. You'll see things and you say, wait a minute, that sounds like, or this is like such and such. And so, whenever you, you find those things, you know, kind of circle and remember them. Yeah. Was there a term for that? Uh, I recall having a conversation with someone, and they would say that you would be able to find Christ in the Old Testament. I remember it being a word like epiphany. It was some. There was a term for it, like that they referred to. Uh, well, you're talking about his encounter with God, but it's. Um, the New Testament refers to it as types and shadows. Okay, I've never heard it that way. Yeah. It was some kind of like an earring word or epiphany or something. Uh, some I can't think of a word okay. like that. There, there might be somewhere with what you're saying, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily a biblical antecedent, but it's, it's something that's projecting forward what's to come. You know. And so it's. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of a word that would. Uh, There's a word. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's from. Uh, well, and then another question I had is uh, in my Bible it says princes. Are you saying sand traps? Satraps, yeah. Sand. S a t r a p s. Satraps. Oh, okay. That's that's an old translation of, and it loosely means. Governors or rulers, okay. or it could mean like mayors over over an oh, area. Right. Yeah. And so when they say princes, princes can also be a term because you have king, and then what would the king do? He would now have his princes over certain areas. So there's a, and the hard part with that is that sometimes you have to understand: is it a term being used uh, in something that the Hebrews would do, or it's a term that the people of the land would do. So this is this is something people of the land would do. So sometimes those things are interchangeable, and so you're reading it, and you're saying, well, wait a minute, it's talking about the same thing. It's just using one terminology that would resonate with Jewish people, and then the other term would resonate with, say, Persians or Babylonians. It would be from there. I think um, also the fact that they're saying 
there's no fault in him. Um, and for us today, it's like our lives have to be so different from the world. If people cannot distinguish between the way we live and the way they live, it's not showing too much of Christ in us. Mm-hmm. What does that do to people? I think confusion, um, mm-hmm. doubt. Um, what does it do to these people? Makes them jealous. Yes. Makes them angry. Because sometimes when you when you don't want to accept what someone else is doing, but they're prospering, your heart becomes hardened. It's like Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Pharaoh didn't want to change, and so his what happened? His heart became hardened because of what God was doing. You know, in spite of all of that, and so that's the difficulty in evangelism is that. You're dealing many times with hearts that have been hardened to Christianity. So you have to find ways to... And in Daniel, what you're seeing is God showing himself to be the God to people that did not know the one true God. Right? And so in evangelism, what are we doing? We're, we're showing people the world system or the government or whatever is not the way. The way is through Jesus Christ. And so, yeah. But it's, it's an opposition thing. So whenever you come against someone's belief system, uh, they're going to push back. And that can take many different forms because they don't want to accept it. Right? Because that means they're wrong. How many of us like to be wrong? I mean, we don't like to be wrong. But that's the whole point of, of, of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We have to admit we were wrong. We've sinned, we've failed, fallen short, need to repent, need a Savior, need to confess. So, yeah. Any other thoughts, questions? Verse 6 to 9. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners in the kingdom and the prefects and the satraps. Now, here we go. Prefects. Prefects report to satraps. Satraps report to commissioners. Commissioners report to the king. Okay? Um, Prefects, satraps, and high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document, that is, the injunction. Creating a trap for Daniel. This is what they're trying to do, right? And, you know, this is kind of the work, in a sense. These people are anti-God. They're anti... Anytime anybody's anti-God, it's, it's, it's anti-Christ. You know, sometimes when we read the book of Revelation, we think, well, there's one anti-Christ. No, anybody that opposes himself against God is anti-Christ. Especially in, in, in terms of Christianity. You're anti-Christ, you're anti-God. 
you're, you're, it's, it's, it's a spirit of the, of the Antichrist. And so what you have here is them now trying to come against what Daniel believes because they couldn't find anything to trip him up uh, that he's doing wrong. So now they want something created to trip him up. To make him, as we say sometimes, force his hand. Right? It's a decree. You're going to do this. And they notice the way they appeal to to the king. They kind of paint the king in a corner. You say, you know, in, you know, appeal to the fact that you're the king. You're the big guy. Everybody should be coming to you, O king, not to somebody else. So therefore, O king, make a decree for 30 days. You know, obviously they know something about Daniel that we haven't read yet. Uh, that's very evident about Daniel, and so they do this to try and trip Daniel up. Uh, it's something that uh, uh, it's diabolical. It's it's just it's it's an evil thing to do. It's 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 they're they're trying to create something that isn't there because they just want this Daniel out of the way. You know? Yeah. And they lied to Darius about it too. They said. All of us got together and agreed that this should be done. Well, they left Daniel out of the loop. Yes, yeah. Conspiracy. Wouldn't the king have been able to just put it back and then pass it down? Because it says at the beginning that he appointed all these people to make him himself look mm-hmm. good so that no wrong, nothing that he would do. And so they, they used that in a sense against him. They said, you know, the king <clears throat> is saying, this is who you are. This is what you've set up. So to make that even stronger, make a decree for 30 days. No one should appeal to anyone other than to you. Right? So they're, they're playing into his own insecurities or his own who he thinks he is. I was wondering why just 30 days, why not make a permanent decree? <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, you know, maybe that was, you know, we, we don't know, but maybe that was the thinking, well, maybe the king might not go for that mm. long haul, but if we do 30 days, and if it works, maybe we can get it extended. <laughs> kind of like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, any other thoughts about that before I go to the next thing? Because what I just did... I, I don't know if any of you saw it. I, I, I went live before this, and I did a little promo for tonight. And I said, we're going to be talking about Daniel, but I'm going to bring something up tonight in Bible study that has to do with vaccinations. The, right now, the thing is getting vaccinated, don't get vaccinated, forcing people to get vaccinated. I don't want to get vaccinated. As a Christian, what should we do? Right? How should we handle this? How, how, sh- how do we respond to this? I'm not going to tell you how to respond. I'm just going to show you what's going on here and use the Bible. And then we'll go, we'll go from there. So look at verse 10. So, so the king put this injunction together, right? So now to uh, Larry's point, he says, now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, so Daniel somehow knew this was going on, this little conspiracy, he got wind of it somehow, and he knew this document was signed. 
Daniel knew that the document was signed. He entered his house. Now in his roof chamber he had windows open towards Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. So in other words, Daniel did not necessarily public prayer, but he went to his rooftop where he could be seen three times a day praying towards Jerusalem, praying to his God. So as soon as he hears the decree, what does he do? He goes right up there uh, without any hesitation, without any consultation with anyone, prays to God. Okay? So, Hold your thought right there. You don't have to turn to it. You can write it down. I'll read it for you. In the context of defying an order. Okay, so Daniel is doing what? He's defying a government order. Right? Okay. Now, as Christians, when a government gives an order, how are we to respond to the order? Romans 13. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause for fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. And it goes on here. But this, to me, first two verses, I'm going to read it again. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Now, that's in the Bible. It's saying if you oppose the government, it's not good. But now we go back to Daniel, and what is Daniel doing? He's opposing. So how does that inform us? And what does that say to us? Is Daniel right? Is Daniel wrong? Is the Bible indifferent? Is the Bible contradicting itself? Are we going to say... Well, that's New Testament, and this was Old Testament. And what I'm going to say to that argument is, when Daniel was being written, God already had Romans in mind to be written. You know, all that. God's not playing it out as we go along. Beginning to end was already established from let there be light. So all that was already there. Huh? Huh? You mean it was predestined? Predestined. Okay. And so, yeah, and so it was already it was already set up that that it was it was it was going to happen, and the and the Bible was going to be written, and these things were going to be in here. So, what does that say to us, and how do you interpret this? How do you apply it? Can you apply it? Should you apply it? Does it create more tension, or does it release tension? Uh, I I don't know if. I don't know how to answer it, but this has been kind of my thought process. Uh, there are laws, right? But if, uh, if the people 
who govern those laws or set those laws live in the form of hypocrisy or one could estimate that they do Luciferian activity, why would one follow those people who set those laws? You're too good, Raymond. Um, yeah, on one hand. I, I, that's just a perspective, you know. I, well, yeah, it, it, because we are talking about perspective. How do you see this? Because basically what we're doing here is what they call exegesis. Exegesis is looking at the scriptures, looking and finding out the meaning, so that once you get the meaning, where it's coming from, how it was written, why it was written, the context, all these things, now the application or the non-application of whatever it might be becomes easier to discern because you've now taken apart. So, what Raymond is saying that, number one, God is above everything, right? Yes. Yes. And so then, below God, obviously you have angelic beings, but we're not going to go there right now. We have human kind, Right? So, if humankind, us people, make a decree that is contrary to God, who do we follow in light of Romans 13? Well, we have to follow God no matter what. Why? We have to obey God. We have to obey His laws. And I think many times governments want to get out of the laws of God and make laws on their own that are contrary to what God has said. Right. God's given authority to rulers, but not the authority to do something contrary to God's law. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, in the, in the context of Daniel and who he was, that decree violates the second commandment for him. So he has a bigger law. So, yeah. you know, when, which law to follow is the one that aligns with God's values. Mm-hmm. And the law, this decree, even though it was law, it was clearly contrary to one of the commandments, mm-hmm. which is idolatry. Mm-hmm. So he had, mm-hmm. so, so God's law supersedes human laws in, in this circumstance. God's laws always supersede human laws. I think of the New Testament and where Jesus, the, the, the Jewish folks, I believe, uh, were going to stone the lady. Yes. And Jesus says, you know, cast the stone for those that... He was going uh, to say cast the first stone. Because they kept saying it's the law. Right. Right. Yeah, but they themselves were going against the law. And then Jesus did what? He shows them how to interpret that passage. Because number one, we've all fallen short. All of us are sinners. So who are we to do that? Because who's the one that's going to judge the living and the dead? God. Right? So now that's easy. This is why... When you study the Bible, now it's theology. It's you, you, you have to get deeper 
into it a lot of times to understand it because if you're just skipping stones off, off the surface, you're not going to really get into the meat of what God is saying and what's going on here. Now, does humankind, humanity, have the authority to make laws? Yes. By who? By God. So God has given humankind the ability to make laws. For what? What's the reason of the, of the laws? For the safety of humans. Protection, yeah. So that, so that we are protected. So, Daniel. Here's the law. Does Daniel feel protected? So what is Daniel doing? Appealing to God. He's appealing back to God. In spite of this, in spite of knowing that the king could decree at any time and have him killed and, and whatever, he's going to God. So, yeah. A little off topic, but within the same lane, um, you know, raised in the Catholic Church, um, I hear this is just factual uh, Pelosi, for example, or uh, Biden saying, you know, they're Catholics, etc. And when they come up with a very sensitive issue such as uh, uh, abortions or, you know, a certain way of life, it, it's almost like a double standard. It's kind of like you, you, you can't be in the middle, you know, you got to choose and stick by it. And God makes it real clear. From Deuteronomy, you know, uh, I said before you today both blessing and cursings, and then he gives a hint. Choose blessings. Mm-hmm. In other words, choose God. Choose what God says on it. Because it's either going to be one or the other. You yeah. should not be lukewarm. should not be lukewarm. And Revelation says it'll spit you out if you're lukewarm. You know, because... You know that that lukewarm in the in the danger of the church being lukewarm is how do you deal with that? Are they hot? Are they cold? Where are they at? Because at any given moment they're trying to please who this. Well, I'm a little hot. I'm a little cold. I'm a little. But if somebody's hot, you know how to deal with that. If somebody's cold, you know how to deal with that. That lukewarm thing, trying to straddle both sides, doesn't. That's lip service. That's a whole whole other deal. That's 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 nominality. You know, in, in in name only. That's 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 plain church. That's plain sanctification. You know, again, when the Bible, the Bible identifies us as either saved or not saved. It doesn't say, well, there's this vast middle ground, and you can wander in the desert for a million years, and it's okay. You know, no, you don't have that. You have it's either it's going to be death or it's going to be life. I was say. For me, it's kind of easy because of Jesus, because render Caesar, which is Caesar's. Now, the disciples knew they were going to be punished by not following there, but they had the faith of, of Jesus' resurrection. It's the same with me. I, if I'm going to follow something, I'm ready for the repercussions of not following it, but I have the, the knowledge and the, the knowing that there's a, a bump law that's going to cover me, that's going to protect me. And remember, you weren't here, you were on vacation. I hope you had a good time. Mm-hmm. When we were talking about Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in the furnace, what did they say? They said exactly what he just said. They said, I'm going in here, and regardless if I get burned up or not, 
I will not bow to anything other than my God. That's exactly what he, what he just said. So, you know, it's, 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 again, you know, what is faith? Faith is something that has to be unshakable. It has to be rooted in something. It has to have an anchor. You know, it talks about, you know, Christ is the anchor of my soul. What does that mean? It means that you're unmovable in Christ. You know, and the anchor of our soul isn't down. Anchor of our soul is upwards because God is pulling us up heaven, heavenward. But in the terms here of Daniel, Daniel's real clear. He says, I know who I serve. I know who I am. And I'm going to go pray because it's going to get difficult. He knows it's going to get difficult. So what do we do when we know it's going to be difficult? Hit your knees and pray. You know, and, and, and let, it, let it fall on which other side. You see, in the vaccination thing, it's everybody has reasons for and not. And those reasons are personal. They're based on maybe what's going on in your home. Maybe it's what you feel. It's this and that. There isn't one little side. But when somebody makes a decree that says, you must do such and such, now you have to say, am I doing it because they're saying so? Or am I doing it because I now have the choice and I'm deciding to do that of my own free will as opposed to I'm not comfortable with this I don't want to I don't yada yada and can there be a pushback if I mean it just came down today I was telling Adrian the governor said that uh, teachers will all have to be vaccinated or get tested on a weekly basis that doesn't mean you can't push back doesn't mean you can't push back and see this is this is a deal here so Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, when they went into the furnace, they were pushing back. Because they told him. He says, regardless, no matter what you do to me, that doesn't change who God is. That doesn't change where my allegiance falls. And so for us as Christians, you know, what you do, yada, yada, does not change who my authority is. And so from the book of Steve, personal to Steve, that in difficult situations like that, I pray, ask God, find that measure of peace, and I go with that peace. You know, because sometimes people say, well, how do I know? And Jesus said, I leave you with peace. When you have that peace, don't leave that peace. Don't let anybody take that peace from you. You know, because again, the reasons for, the reasons why, there's a whole... You can make all kinds of, on, on either side of the coin, you know, but the bottom line, the decision is between you and God, you know. And so in here, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of other examples of, of, of how you, you might be able to deal with this, but, you know, these are personal issues. And so because someone else does or doesn't, doesn't necessarily affect you because it's your relationship with God it's your circumstances your situation I mean for example if you have a condition that 
they mandate you have to take a, a, a vaccination or, or, or whatever it is, a vitamin shot. But you have a condition that if you take that shot, it could trigger that condition. And you know that. But yet they're telling you, no, you have to do this. Where you, which side of the fence are you going to land on? I'm with Daniel. I'm on my knees. I'm with the one that is right for me. You know? And if I have to push back, I push back. You know, that's just Brother Steve. So, and these things are difficult things, but we have to find a way to sort through it biblically, a way to somehow uh, have some sort of, uh, you know, because sometimes they say, well, the Bible's silent on the issue. The Bible really isn't silent on the issues. You know, the, the Bible gives us directions in, 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 in who we should go to. And, and, and things like that. It's just a matter of, of how we, we, we do that. Because again, ultimately, if humankind has made laws that God allows, and then humankind makes laws that are contrary to the laws they already made, do you follow the new laws? See, there's there's a tension point. And so, at, at what point do I do I now? Okay, this is no longer about this law is no longer about protecting me. This law is now about what you want to do, like what they're trying to do to him. The law is not about protecting the people. The law is about they want to get him out of position. They don't want him to be ruler, so they're going to make a law to take away his power. Is this, am I going too fast? Forget it. Right. So, the Bible has the answers there. Thoughts, questions? Um, it's a personal um, kind of story, but when my family and I had left Cuba and went to Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, we were supposed to be there three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mother kept extending and we were there a year or four months. The Castro government told the Mexican government that all the Cubans that were in Mexico had to return to Cuba. And there was no ifs about it. And so we started to worry. And um, Mother went to the council, the embassy, every place, and uh, things were difficult. Um, but there were a few churches here that were praying and telling Mother, you must not take your family back to Cuba. You'll be sorry. So, um, but my sisters and I, being young, we were really afraid we need to go back. We said that we would be back. We need to go back. And Mother said, no. So finally, I mean, it was God working. The doors were open for us to come here. And um, about... Two months after we came here, we heard that in our neighborhood in Cuba, all the children between the ages of 10 to 15 or 16 were taken to out of their homes and taken to the uh, to do like labor, mm. teaching soldiers that couldn't read or do labor in the uh, in the fields, mm-hmm. and so we were able to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and um, 
we didn't understand too much about why are we going against the government when we are supposed to go back. Mm-hmm. But um, in through the years, I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the thing with God is, is you trust God no matter what it looks like. And a lot of times it just doesn't look like the door is open. It just doesn't look like it's going to happen. But deep down inside, you have to know somewhere, God's going to do something. God's, God's going to, you know. Because again, we're not created for calamity, but for a future and a hope, Jeremiah. You know, so he has a plan for us, for a future and a hope. And that hope is not calamity. It's not the downside. You know, the downside is a result of our, 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 our sin. But, you know, God has a, a plan for us in the future and a, and a testimony. And besides that, Larry was praying for Cuban <laughs> 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 well, he was on While he was waxing his surfboard <laughs> as he ran from his home. Then, but it was easy. but um, yeah, you know, God's in the middle of all of this uh, this stuff. Any other thoughts and questions on this? Because I know it's, it's, it's a little difficult, it's a little new, but you know, again, I you know, I don't want to shy away from these kind of issues because I think for too long church shies away from things that we should be addressing or at least find ways to address and find ways to dialogue on these things, you know. So that's my intent here. Pastor, like you were saying about the vaccine and we can can compare it to the mask. Um, The places I say you must wear a mask, I think as as Christians we have to obey Mm-hmm. If we're out in public in in the park or whatever, why should we wear a mask? And if that's how we feel, mm-hmm. do you think? See again, there are these things. If we don't push back, if we don't say anything, if we don't demand a reason why, then they'll just do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there 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 has to be okay. Uh, where, where, what is the reason behind this? Is this really working? What is the concrete? Yeah, you know, you got a vaccine, a vaccine that's not even FDA approved. It's only been around for six months. Where, you know, I, I saw a thing. They were talking about smallpox. From I think it took 31 years for them to come up with a smallpox. You know, the trial and error and making sure it was whatever. And the same thing with polio. I think it took them took them 28, 29 years to come up with a vaccine for it, but yet all of a sudden here in six months we have a vaccine that we're, we're told is perfect. Is it? We don't know. And so, you know, we, get, we, have, to, we have to deal with that. And so whether you do or you don't is based on your own personal situation and your relationship with God and how that comes out. There's no clear, I can't give you a definitive thing, but on things that take away your liberty, the things that take away your right to choose. God gave us freedom. You know, in our Constitution gives us freedom. So when laws take away those freedoms, they're going, they're going against God. Right? Because even God in His wisdom knew that, you know, our sin nature, some are going to choose Him, some are not going to choose Him. But we still have free will. We still have that. That, that that's not violated. So, okay, uh, eleven and twelve. Don't want to leave Daniel hanging on the rooftop there. 
11 and 12. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before God. The difference between petition and supplication, petition is he's asking God for something. Supplication is is he's asking God in humility. That's the difference. So in other words, he's praying, you know, he's, 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 these men came in agreement and found Daniel making petition, you know, to God. God, help me in this situation, right? Help me with this, there's, there's this decree. And Lord, you know, he's coming before God humbly and, and you know, God, you're the creator of all things and, and I'm just your servant here. I have no, I'm not trying to, to, to gain position. I'm not trying to anything. I just, you know, what, what is your will here? Right? So these men came by agreement, found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. And they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. So in other words, they're going back and they're putting Darius back on the spot in the corner. You know, king, this is your decree, O king. Even though they were behind it, they're saying, you, O king, did this. Right? So, uh, uh, Darius is not a weak ruler, but you know he's subject to politics, or he's subject to what's going on. In a sense, he gets played, you know. But he's not a weak ruler because if he's a weak ruler, he's going to be wishy-washy and he can't make a decision. Mm. He's making a decision. It's not you know always. He might not have thought it all the way through because he does not. And we find out here he does not want Daniel to perish. He likes Daniel. Okay, but he's king, and you, O king, if you make a decree, you have to uphold your decree, O king. Remember, don't forget, you are the king, right? Because uh, sometimes it's not always good to be the king. Um, Thirteen to fifteen. Well, let me finish verse twelve. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for thirty days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king answered and said, The statement is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Again, he's a strong king. That's their law. Once you put something in motion, you're not going to revoke it. Okay? So he's, he's, he's upholding their laws, the way they do things. Um, verse 13. That's a weakness yeah. in their law. Huh? That's a weakness in their, in their system. They run things as compared to Nebuchadnezzar. Where Nebuchadnezzar says, What I'm saying is, I don't care what I said yesterday. Today's this. Yeah, he's flipping, flopping. But also, those two instances bring out the danger in having one person rule. Rather than going through a process, go around. That's why democracy is, you know, is not perfect, but it's better than whatever the heck is else out there. Because if it works the way it's supposed to work, it goes through a filtering process, you know. So that's again, that's the challenge to protect democracy and constitution, because those are the things that everything else is launched from. So yeah, uh, verse thirteen to fifteen. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. Notice how he 
<laughs> designates him. He doesn't say, oh, he's the one that interpreted all those dreams, saved the bacon, whoever, Knezer, saved your bacon, Odarius. He's not that. No, he's, he's, uh, he's one of those uh, scroungy Jews, is basically what he's saying there. So then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Is Daniel not paying attention to Darius? Or is he paying attention to Darius? I think he's paying attention and openly defying it. Yeah, he's paying attention. And he's going to God and petitioning. It's not like he's saying, I didn't hear that kind of thing, right? 14. Then as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. So he, he doesn't want Daniel to go in the... Because he knows Daniel is a good guy. Right? What does this sound like? Does this sound like anything? He's having a conflict with his conscience. Uh, He's having a conflict with his conscience. But who else biblically had a problem with their conscience? Caesar. Huh? Conscious Pilate? Yeah. Find no fault in this man. I find no fault in this man. Verse 15. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. These guys are pushing the issue. They got him painted in the corner. He knows he has to follow that decree or he will be deemed a weak ruler. And if he's deemed a weak ruler then he's subject to overthrow because he's weak, right? Hmm? Subject to recall. Recall, yes, subject to recall. (laughs) You're following right along here. So Darius has a moral problem on his his hands. He he doesn't want to do this to Daniel. He knows Daniel's not at fault here. It's a moral problem. And so... Because he doesn't serve this God, his moral problem. See, if he's serving this God, what does he do? He says, Daniel is just worshiping the God that I worship. And therefore, this decree I revoke because we appeal to him. But he doesn't do that because he doesn't worship this God. He doesn't really know this God. So he has to stand on what he knows. So he's got a moral problem on his hand. Verse 16. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. Ooh, look at that. Now he's he's saying, I got to do this, but we don't know if he knew about the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and you know all the, all the other stuff, in, or, or or if he knew Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would happen there, and you know, he's, you know he might have heard of that. I don't know. We don't know. Scripture doesn't say, but there's something here that's, that's saying your God is going to deliver you. Okay, so but he knew about God, not he didn't know God. Yes, and and see, there's a. There's, there's a difference there. If, if he would have been serving God, he wouldn't even have put him in the den. He would have said, no, these laws are not of God. We're going to 
but here he's he's okay. I know about this God, but he's not fully committed yet. But he's still because you know he he cares about Daniel. So again, a moral moral dilemma. Uh, he wants him rescued. So verse seventeen, the stone was brought and laid over the mouth. Of the den, and the king sealed it and his own signet ring with the signet ring of his nobles, so that nothing might be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. In other words, he's tossing, turning, he's, he's worried. He's in a conundrum here, right? Then the king rose with the dawn at the break of day and went in haste to the lion's den. And when he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. Now notice what he says. Servant of the living God. Has your God. He doesn't say my God, our God. So he's still making the distinction because he's like a lot of people. Well, I don't necessarily have to serve your God to get to heaven. My God will take me to heaven or whatever their form of eternity is. Uh, Has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the the lion's den? If he knew God, then he would know God is able. But he said, is he able? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they didn't, and they have not Harm me inasmuch as I have found, as I was found innocent before him. It's almost like a judgment. He says, I am found innocent before him. And also towards you, O king, and I have committed no crime. Now notice what God says. I'm also innocent even though you made a decree and I didn't follow that decree. That decree. God says you are innocent. I am innocent. Okay? The king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The the king, uh, he trusted God uh, there. Then verse 24, the king then gave orders and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel and they cast them, their children, their wives, into the lion's den, and they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Yeah. So now what happens is the king now takes all those, you know, this conspiracy, this whatever, not only am I going to take you, I'm going to take your family with you. And kings do this back in those days. Why? Because of the future generation. Future generation. It was like the godfather. You know, he went back. Had to. He says because if you let the if you let the son live, one day he's going to be a man, and he's going to come back. So that's why they would wipe out the whole family. Um, then just to finish it off, uh, so Darius does this. He throws them all into the lion's den. He he makes them uh, 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 suffer their own their own fate there. First. 25, just to finish the chapter out. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language we're living in and all the land, may your peace abound. I make a decree 
that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is a living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. Notice this in the form of poetry, as it's a, a, a song. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and earth, who also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Cyrus was the one who was... Who was leader of the other part of the kingdom. Because remember last week I told you there were two kings over the over the kingdom and, and Cyrus was the other king. So it's not an admission that now he's going to serve Daniel's God, but it's a recognition that this God exists, this God is powerful, this God delivers. Because don't forget, he's still entrenched in his own uh, kingship and, and, and who he is and kings, you know, live forever and whatever, you know, he was brought up that way. So, you know, he, he has that in the back of his his mind. But what this does is it now, in a sense, and it leads to Ezra and Nehemiah, when the people return to the land, it's now saying this Judaism, this form of, of a worship of this God is now legitimate. That's why... In Daniel, I mean, in Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, the king at that time, uh, Artaxerxes, he even gives them money to rebuild Jerusalem. And he's the king at that time over over uh, over Babylon, and he gives them money to rebuild the walls and and reestablish their worship over there. And so, thoughts, questions on that? Okay, I want to show you a little clip of something that. Some of you might remember, it's not exactly Daniel in the lion's den, but when I came across this, I said, i, I got to show this just for the heck of it. It lasts four minutes. It's an old clip of a movie from, I think, like 1952, and, and Diego will be amazed at the technology in this movie. He will be thrilled with the uh, all the technology that is in this particular movie. But it's a story of when they were throwing Christians to the lions. And it's a story that came up, and there's a fellow by the name of Androthes. And he's a Christian, and he's a nice man, he's a humble man, and he, he's just, uh, one, you know, he just loves life and people. And one day he came across a lion, and, and the lion had a, had a thorn in its paw, and he, and, he, and he takes it out, you know. And uh, uh, he's just that kind of a guy. And he's just a nice, humble guy. But along the way, he's a Christian, and he gets picked up, as some Christians were, and he's going to be thrown to the lions. And so this is where the story starts. He's getting ready. He's walking in to the Colosseum where they're waiting for him to be slain by the lions. So maybe we'll find a little correlation here. That's Andrews. thing, but the whole point there was that God will turn things around. In the lion's den, God turned it around. Here, so I was just thinking of, of this. By the way, do you know who this guy is? Uri Ober. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Ed. Yeah, it was in Mr. Ed. So.
Uh, I think this movie was like 1952 or 53. You can tell by the the music and the and all the high tech stuff. So, but anyway, let's just close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you uh, again for Daniel. We thank you for what we've gained tonight, our understanding, Lord, and and uh, Lord, prompt us to study, prompt us to uh, continue to search the scriptures, Lord, and to understand what it is that you're saying to us from Daniel, Lord, and how we apply this in our lives and in our church, in our community, Lord. So, Father, in all of this, we just give you thanks and praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God.